WXOU, Auburn Hills, Michigan. You are tuned in to the Friday Night Groove with your host, Roosevelt Belton Jr., better known as RBJ for short. And tonight, we have an exclusive interview with Johannesburg, South Africa based DJ, producer, radio host, and label head for Stay True Sounds. We're going to get to that interview shortly, but for now, we're going to open up this program with a small mix of some of Stay True's artists. Talking about the track you're hearing now from Dawson and Skivo, titled Late Nights. So peace, thank you. And as always, let's groove.
Oh 
88.3 WXOU Auburn Hills, Michigan. You are tuned into the Friday Night Groove with your host, Roosevelt Belton Jr. And right now, I have the honor of speaking with the, o- the one and only Kid Funk, Johannesburg, South Africa, based DJ, producer, radio host, and label owner of Stay True Sounds. Kid Funk, welcome to the program. How are you? Thank you so much. What an introduction, man. What a pleasure. I, th- I think this is my first uh, interview uh, that I- I'm having in the U.S., man. This is uh, it's amazing. Like, mu- music is a universal thing. It's connecting us right now. And uh, what a pleasure to be to be on your show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, just from what you've done so far for the country of South Africa, it's just been amazing. And it's just a testament to the power of just where good music can take you. Mm, 100%. Man. I used to work for, for Soul Candy. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the record label Soul Candy. It was, at the time, it was like the biggest house label in Africa. Uh, it was house music for, for radio. It was very soulful. And I ended up getting thrown in the deep end, um, becoming label manager of that record label. And, um, it wasn't necessarily like my thing. I didn't. I wasn't even really into the music, to be completely honest. It was, it was an opportunity for me to learn the business, um, which I took and then then learned about about house music in general. I, I'd always been into house, but it was always kind of like the deeper, more obscure stuff. You know, I was very much into into I suppose your your local heroes, in Detroit. Um, you know, Moody Man, Love Call Craig, and Planet E, and. You know, but that wasn't the stuff that we were putting out at Soul Candy. We were putting out like very kind of sing-along uh, house music. Um, a lot like the layabouts were huge. We were creating our own like super bands, if you will, like Mikasa. And, uh, you know, Shimza, Shimza worked with me for a time when he was young. I've seen him grow throughout the ages. Um, but nonetheless, kind of to, 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 to give you a snapshot, that was like my, my schooling of, of South African house music and, and, and the categories and who sat where in the bigger scheme of things. And uh, it was very difficult for me, but I learned a lot. And then um, I moved, so Kenny kind of changed, they lost a lot of money and I got retrenched. And when that happened, I was very close to Julian Gomes. Um, and Julian, I'd worked on with Julian on two projects at Soul Candy. The one was with his cousin. Um, he had a group called G Family, uh, him and Michael G. And I did a, a compilation with them and then kind of we, we connected um, as friends too. And then he sent me Love Song 28, which I think is his biggest song to date. It's, it's such a great record. And uh, he sent that to me at Soul Candy. And I remember taking it into our A&R session where there's like a whole bunch of guys. And he said to everyone, you know, it was like, nah, it's too deep. It's too deep. And I, I was a label manager, so I ignored them. And I just did what I wanted and we put it out anyway. And that kind of built Julian's, it was the, the, the foundation of Julian's career. But we became very close. And when we always said, you know, if, if things had to shift, it's all candy. We would start a record label together. So when I got retrenched, we started Statue Sounds. And the agenda was very, very different. The agenda was like, we're not here 
to put out music in the top 20. We're here to put out music that we love, music that we want to DJ. And I think when we started, it, like organically, everything just came at the same time. was our first release and we were like what we had no idea that there was such great talent sitting on our doorstep and uh i mean since since inception like julian's left the label he runs his own label we're very very close um but but we're too similar um in business which is which is totally cool and yeah i, I run state sound solo now it's been six years of uh unearthing finding and and, and really building a scene. Um, the scene was always there. I just don't think that the guys were really getting a proper push. And I've been able to to nurture that with a few things, you know, firstly the label, um, and then I've got a radio show on national radio here um, every Sunday called Selective Styles, which has got like a, a really big community of, of people that want to be introduced to new artists and music. I use that platform um, to help grow um artists not just on statutory sounds but on on in, in general that need that need ears because there's so much great music in south africa but there's very few labels like mine um so you know if you look around at europe or the states you guys have got plenty record labels that that cater for an underground audience whereas the record labels in south africa are very focused on radio hits you know what i mean which doesn't really give people like Dawson or FKA MASH an opportunity to shine unless they're getting picked up by internationals. Um, so that really kind of did open the, the door for Statue Sound. So the focus really is to just make sure that people like yourself and your listeners are, are, are beginning to, to learn and understand uh, and enjoy the talent that we've got in this country. Everyone has a a misconception that if, if you make music from South Africa, it needs to be or sound like South African. Is this misconception? And I suppose that's why I'm a piano uh, and and Gorm and, and Afro House do really well because it is it is quite authentically South African, which is great. But there's a whole other layer underneath those genres where we kind of sit. And I, I kind of feel like Statue Sounds is is more. More, we kind of sit in the in the worldwide scope of music. Like we're influenced. The guys I work with are influenced by Nicola Conte or or Moody Man or Pepe Braddock. So so yeah, I'm just I'm just here to break down those walls and make sure that uh, that we get our shine and and get get people onto what what I'm doing at the label. You know, every single week, every every month, I'm releasing at least two to three projects. You know.
talking about that drive to just share and platform music that you love and that you believe in. I believe the genesis of Kid Funk starts out with a radio spot at Rudaport College uh, when you were growing up. How influential was, you know, that first time and, you know, as a DJ or on radio and preparing you to just learn how to just share music? So for me, like I grew up, my, my house, my dad was so into music, man. It was crazy. He was like, he breathed and loved music, but like all sorts of music. Very influenced by what was playing in the house, in the car. And he would also, he'd make comps. That was his thing. On a Sunday, he would like, have a massive CD collection and he would pick out songs and then he would think about the sequence and the flow. Even though he wasn't mixing, it was a compilation, so it needed to tell a story. And he was very like, hard on himself if things were in the wrong place. And I'd sit and watch this and I really admired it. And, and then I got my first CD player. I was young, man. I was in, I was probably like eight or, or nine. And then I got my CD, Depeche Mode uh, 101, which was double CD of them live. And it was like all electronic. And, and, and that kind of like set the tone of, of, I suppose, what was to come. And I, I was really rubbish at school. Like, academically, I wasn't interested. And I landed up at Riverwood College, um, where in a sense, kind of like all the guys that weren't good at school landed up. But they had something that was happening during lunchtime every day. And there was, there was this platform to play music to people that were eating lunch. And I, I, I met all these friends and, and we themed the week. So there was a guy that was into techno and he would get rocks and techno on a Monday. And then uh, my mate was into like house. He would play house on a Tuesday. And then I think there was like uh, rock. And then I came and I was, at, at that point in my life, I was super, super influenced. Um, and, and my style was was very much like uh, Ninja Tune, Mowak, uh, mixed up with hip hop. So it was kind of like that early DJ Shadow era um, where guys were mixing like experimental hip hop uh, beats with, with kind of like the far side and the roots and, and, and all this kind of like conscious stuff. And that was my thing. And I, I would go and, and DJ every week at Riverwood College for, for two years. I mean, the, the, you couldn't even mix the music. It was just two CD players and, and two faders, but it was like a, start, a starting point. And then I landed up getting another CD player at home and getting a, a, a mixing, a little mixing desk. And then I started making my own mixtapes. And, um, you know, from there, it was essentially like, if I'm going to take this seriously, I need to play on record. And all the record stores in South Africa were only selling house. So I was going in there and I was like getting frustrated. But then most of the stuff I loved was in the sale bin. Because uh, they couldn't sell it to anyone else, so I, I, I slowly built up my, my record collection, and then I was I was super naughty. I wasn't doing well academically at the college either, and and super passionate about music. And then at the age of 17, I dropped out of college, and my folks sent me to the UK. And the idea was for me to get involved in this world that was happening that I I, I was kind of hearing and and, and like. I was so influenced by the scene. What I did was I worked at a sandwich store and, and bought records. And I came back to South Africa and I finally had 
a record collection and I learned how to DJ. When I came back, there was a club at, uh, in, in Johannesburg. It was like the only alternative dance club. And there were a lot of clubs playing a lot of commercial music at the time. Um, like I think the trance was quite a big thing and that, that kind of progressive house was, was very big in this country. And then there was this club that did alternative dance, if you will. Drum and bass was really big. They had a drum and bass floor, they had a hip hop floor. Big beats and break beats was, was a thing. And we, we forced our way into the back and we would come and bring our, our own setup. We'd bring our own turntables, our own speakers, our own records, and we just jammed every single Tuesday nights, Tuesday nights. And um, that, was the, that was the start of, of Kid Funk as a professional DJ, because I was actually getting paid. I got to the point where I was getting paid and then I was like, yo, like I could actually do this forever. Yeah, it, it's just been a climb ever since, really. It's just been kind of like from the from from DJing at college all the way. I've, I've, I've been through every single element of the music business, you know, from distribution to label managing to owning my own business. And the DJing has been a constant, you know, the whole way through. And just speaking of, you know, how DJing and the music business have sort of interplay for you you know you've gained respect on both sides um but artists and djs they're not necessarily comfortable you know with you know the artistic and the business side so for you with positions that um you know curse music um soul candy and just now stay true why have you felt comfortable um, taking on those more like professional and business roles? I think um, the music industry can be very difficult. I think working at Soul Candy, it, it showed me a lot of what I don't want to do. I think taking on artists that don't have huge followings and that are niche and uh, taking them on in like 360 models or taking away their rights does nothing but cause frustration and and tension between what essentially should be a platform for an artist's music. And this was the big question when when I left Soul Candy um, between Julian and myself. Like, what are what are the basis of, of State True Sounds going to be? You know, like, are, are we going to go like a full blown major and and take everyone's rights and? You know, essentially, we're using our brands to build these guys that, that don't have any brands. So, like, that, I, I know that's how majors think. They're like, we're using our network to grow you. So, in, in turn, we should be earning from your bookings, from your endorsements, from your... And I've never met anyone in the world ever once. And I've been in this industry for a long time that's ever come out of a 360 deal and say like, I'm happy. 
And I think that was what we based the the foundations of how we were going to do business um, with Statue Sound. So from day one, we were like, we focus on the music. That's it. We license music. We put it out. If you build yourself as a DJ and you start making great income from what we've built, great. If you want to go to another label after we've released your music, great. We want to focus on what we have. And I think the recipe for that um, in a kind of doggy dog industry, which is the music industry, has worked this far. Um, it's, it, you know, six years in, we're only kind of like making money now as a business. The catalog is, is strong and it's getting stronger. And lockdown really taught me to focus on the business side of, of everything. Because uh, I didn't have as many DJ gigs, I was stuck at home and I just I put my head down and, and I was just really focused on the back end, the, 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 the accounting, the, the contracts, the, the everything, make things really tight. But I think that that's what's, what's made the label win this far, is the fact that it's music, man. Like, that's it. We just put out the music. I'm not interested in, in, in getting phone calls at five o'clock on on a Saturday morning because one of my artist DJs like setups is wrong. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm taking their bookings. And that's how things have worked. And that's that's how I go to go to sleep well every night is because I know that I'm not kind of like, I, I, I'm not, it, it's such a difficult thing when you start taking everyone's rights, but you can't deliver. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't bring to the party the things that you're taking. So I know if I'm gonna license your music, I know I can deliver. And I think I've proved that time and time again, you know, um, that I can take your music so far. And, and sometimes that's good enough. And if an artist is, is really good and really like wants to push, like for example, a China Chameleon or a Dawson or a FKA Mash or a CEO, these guys take it to the next level themselves. You know what I mean? And uh, I have healthy relationships with my artists, you know? And we, we all put the work in and we all reap the rewards. So I think that's that's um, what's kept the label kind of, in a sense, top of mind. But also, I, I know the majors get a bad rep, you know, for for just taking everything from artists. Whereas Statue Science, we just want the music. That's it. Just speaking of building trust with artists um, and defining, you know, your sound and your business model. When you first start out, you had a release from, as you mentioned, you know, Bruce Loco, Dave Martian, and yourself. In those first couple, maybe that first year, how far did those releases go in defining the sound that people have? come to know you for today i'm sure like yourself I, I don't sit down and go like i'm into this it's just really a feeling man it's like if if, if it moves me to 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 some degree 
and it's available, I'm going to last. That's it. Um, I did, when Julian and I were both running the label together, I was quite adamant about it being like an open format label. Julian was like, it makes more sense to just be a house label. And, you know, he, he, he was actually right. I, I ended up opening up a sister label after he left called State True Beats to kind of like nurture my my love for electronic and, and beat music. And I made State True Sounds essentially a house label. Um, and it worked just because the, the, the guys in this country are purists. Even though I may not be, the people I'm catering to are purists. So they want they want to know if they say if they see stay true sounds that it's gonna be house or it's gonna sit in that kind of lane. It's worked really well. The shift has worked really well. Stay true beats does does well. It's not as big um, at all, but it, it kind of it satisfies my my need to to put out some really cool artists. Which which I, if I didn't have that label, I wouldn't be able to. And, you know, I'm not sure if you'd heard uh, the release we dropped last week from a, a guy from Limpopo, his name is Alpeo. Very influenced by, I don't know, that early new jazz era. Um, and that thing's popped off amazingly. And we'll put it on State True Sounds, a house label, but it's got one or two house cuts and it kind of sits in that space because of the tempo. But yeah, there, there is really no, like, boxes that, we, that I tick because I do all the A&R. Uh, when it comes to what I sign, it really is like, does this move me? Simple. Two months ago, I released State True Sounds Volume 3, which is kind of a collection of, of, of music that I've discovered throughout the year. And it landed up being 20 tracks from South African artists across the whole country and across genres, really. Uh, it, although it, it is house throughout, the, the temperament and feel is very different, you know, like good quality sounds like quite Catronata influenced and then you know if you listen to like Radic the Myth he sounds like he's like Art Cuban Gilbert from from France and then but yet there's all this amazing music coming from these like bedroom producers across this country that no one's like hearing and fortunately I managed to get hold of it and just like give it a little like a little platform and a, and a shove and it, and it changes people's lives man comes to the a and ring and stuff, really, there's no formula. It's just like, is it dope? Do I, do I like it? I'm not sitting like going like, this song has to make this much money to pay my rent at the end of this. That was the Soul Candy way. I, I, I work off, off heart and feeling, you know? If it moves me, we, we take it and move forward, you know? And there's another point of label that I want to touch on is that unlike other maybe like house, or dance music labels, I noticed that for several of your artists, um, you know, like Skivo, China Chameleon, and Dawson, is that you make an effort to put out full-length LPs. 
How intentional is that from maybe a creative or philosophical standpoint? When Julian left, we were only doing singles. And then he left and, and we'd released Dawson's first EP. I, I'd released it just, just as Julian left. It, it's weird, like everything kind of turned up. It felt like, you know, the universe was saying, this is like a good thing, you know, that you can do, you can do this by yourself. You'll be fine. And then there was a particular track on the EP called Luna, which really popped for Dawson uh, in this country. And then Dawson was like, bro, like I'm ready to do a full length. I'd never done a full length on the on the label. And I was like, let's go. And I was starting to work with Sio quite a lot. We'd become good friends. And he needed a vocalist for a song. Um, and I, I, I swung it to Sio, which landed up becoming Forbidden, which landed up to date being the biggest selling track on the label. Uh, like still, time and time again, statement to statement, that track is huge. Um, and putting out Dawson's first album really was kind of like a, a big sign from the universe saying like the things are good and the album did really really well and then it, it how I built it was kind of through that mentality of let's let's work together on on an EP like let's get to know each other you can see what I can do and I can see whether your music works even though I dig it, let's see if it, if it can bring in the ears that we're hoping. Um, and I've used the same structure um, on every release that I've put an album out on, and it seems to have worked. So, you know, beginning of lockdown, beginning of COVID last year, I put out uh, China Chameleon's first EP, uh, early 2020. And then we followed through with his debut album, Colors. And then we followed through with another single. And then we followed through with an album. He did two albums in one year. He's, he's, he's busy. He's going to deliver his, his, his uh, third album to me by the end of this week. We're dropping in December. But, but the, the, it works. So that's why I do it. So like Skiva, we released an EP. Then, then we're like, cool. You know how I work. I know how you, you work. Could you deliver a body of work? Um, and you, what an album does for, for, for artists here, and also, you know, we're living in a streaming world, and if we need to make income from this, we need to get streams. And essentially, an album gives uh, someone that's creating these playlists or, or, or choosing the songs to go in these massive playlists, it gives them more options. Um, and the formula seems to be working. Like I get more hit rates and income from albums than I do of singles and EPs. So the idea is to build the artist through an EP first, and then I, I let them tell their story on an album. And some guys have never done it before, and it becomes quite, I mean, I know what it's like putting an album together. It's, 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 it's hard because you're putting your soul on the line for the, for the world to see. And, um, if you look at it from a business perspective, the albums when it comes to streams, last year's Jazz Wells album had one track that over a million streams, which is great for an independent niche market artist. Same with Chitana Chameleon. He's done like over a million streams because he's also consistent in putting in, uh, and that's just off one platform. So, you know, that, that would be off Spotify or whoever, and then Apple, he's done like another million. So, I, I like the formula and I also like the, the guys like 
like putting out records. It, it, you know, we, we get a longer lead time on a record too. I, I, I can really like focus on an artist and they, they work for like a month. We can push socials and make sure people are aware and get the pre-saves. Whereas a single or an EP really is, is, is quite quick on the turnaround, you know. And I just want to speak on, you know, that sustained success that, you know, you, you've had over the six years where you, know, you mentioned you're finally seeing like a turnaround in profit. So from that and, you know, back in June, you had your 100th release with China Chameleon with the uh, remix project. Just taking it all in, you know, from where you were at Soul Candy to now, you know, with 100 releases. When you were first starting this project, um, knowing what you know now, what is one thing you sort of kind of go back in time and probably tell yourself about maybe the label and just what you're doing? I, probably my most difficult time with the label was the administration. And I think that comes with, with anyone that builds anything that becomes something is the back end administrative side of things. And like I, I, I saw flames last year over lockdown because a lot of my stuff really wasn't together and I had to take time and focus with like a six-year-old in the house that couldn't leave it was very stressful and I, I managed to get my head around it but but if there was anything I would change it would have been like to keep the back end systems tight from day one but I think that's any creative creatives just get into the space of just being creative and then forget about the business aspect of things and uh, I learned my lesson, man. And and uh, like think things are things are on point now. I, I know a lot of guys that are opening up labels. Really cool guys. Um, guys that have come through Stay True Sounds. Everyone wants to open a label, and it makes sense. Um, Zito Mowa's got an incredible label called Salvo Records, um, and like I'm on him as well. And it's mostly just because of my own experience. And I'm like, bro. Make sure your paperwork's tight. Make sure that your like backend system is tight, you know, or it's just gonna come back and us. So, so yeah, that that would probably be the one thing. But other than that, like the the, the music, the, the A and Ring, and the content, I'm, uh, there, there's nothing I would change. I'm I'm super happy with what I built. You know? Sort of just last question for the for the um, for this episode. Um, whether we're Stay True Sounds, um, Five FM, or just your life in general, um, platforming good music has always been at the heart of everything that you do. How have you noticed the global music scene change in the way that they're viewing um, South African music? South Africa at the moment um, is is 
is the buzzword overseas. I know that. But I, I, I also know that the music that I'm releasing is kind of not top of mind. You know, I'm a piano is really the, 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 the big thing at the moment, which is really exciting. And we've had these waves of like, you know, South Africans, we, we create our own genres here. You know what I mean? We just come out to the world and be like, oh, we got Gomp, you know, here we go. Oh, we got I'm a piano, like Afrotech. Like, what is Afrotech? That, that's born, Kwaito comes from from South Africa, bubblegum like this. We, we we love music. We really do. We are like a, you know, if, if you speak to any DJ from across the world that's come to this country to DJ to an audience that knows them, they know hands down that we are the best crowd in the world because we love music. And um, I, I think I, I'm super excited to be part of that kind of inner kind of umbrella there's all the genres and there's all the the excitement that goes on in this country with music and somewhere there's me you know with my little crew and there's a lot of legends that i look up to that i i speak to often that are in the scene like benny de vinci and christos these guys have led the way for for house music deep house music in this country and still continue to um and i'm just the new generation you know Rather, I'm the next generation. So, so as I said, to, 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 to open the interview, you know, my, my agenda is to make sure that, that I get more people in the world to understand that there's, there's more going on in this country than, than what mainstream media is, is showing them, which is dope, but there's way more going on. There's this complete new layer of incredible artists um, that are influenced by music that may not be from South Africa. And, uh, you know, my mission is just to make sure that people get to hear all of this dope stuff I'm putting out, you know? And, you know, there, there, there's so much. There's so much. That's why I release so much music, because there's just so much. We've got so many guys in this country just sitting at home making great music, and they just can't get it out there. And I, it seems to just somehow land up on my, on my desk. And, and I put it out there, but yeah, hopefully, not hopefully. I'm not gonna say hopefully. It's gonna happen, man. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be taking the SA deep sound to the world, and uh, I chisel away at it every single day, you know. Kid Funk, thank you for you know your journey, everything you've done so far, and just putting good music out there. You know, we salute you in whichever way we can, and just thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for letting me tell my story, man. Like I said, this is the first time in the States. I hope uh, I hope people will be listening to what's happening in South Africa. Uh, and uh, yeah, man, I appreciate the plug. All right, Kid Funk. Thank you. And definitely talk to you later. All right, man. Take care. WXOU, Auburn Hills, Michigan. You just heard my interview with Kid Funk of Stay True Sounds. If you'd like to hear tonight, you can find more by visiting staytruesounds.bandcamp.com. I want to thank Kid Funk again for a wonderful interview. Wish him all the best in the future. And now, we're going to end this program 
with the upcoming release, Office Label, from Sonado, titled Make Me Feel. Peace. Thank you. Catch you next Friday.